So great to see. It's a holiday weekend. Some of our folks are traveling. You are here. We, we do honor uh, Dr. King and his legacy with this weekend and uh, what he stood for and the, the freedoms and the rights that he fought for. And that means some people get to, get to celebrate that uh, by going away. But I'm so glad that you are here. We're, it's, it looks like we're actually going to experience winter just a little bit over the next few days before summer comes back uh, in probably five days. Uh, but it is great to be together. The Bible, um, uh, the Bible teaches a lot of both ands when it comes to the spiritual life, uh, when it comes to following Jesus. Uh, there. The, one one of my favorite verses in the book of Ecclesiastes uh, has the line, we're supposed to grasp the one without letting go of the other. In in other words, sometimes uh, in our lives, our human lives, uh, certainly in our spiritual lives, there are two different sides of a truth that are are both true, and they're true all the time, and we don't need to lean so heavily to one side that we negate the other side or lean so heavily to this side that we negate this side or make one side more important than the other side. There are aspects of the spiritual life we're just supposed to hold in a very delicate balance. And I want to talk about one of those today. And here are the two sides. And... Uh, let me give you some phrases that we'll use to talk about them. One side uh, of, of this topic is what I'm going to call my individual spiritual life. My individual spiritual life. What I'm doing in my spiritual life. We're, ta- we're talking about how do we make the next 10 years the, the most faithful, the, the best that it can be. How can we follow God Uh, more faithfully in the next 10 years. And a part of that following God is going to be decisions I personally make, things that I decide to do. There are aspects of the spiritual life you can't make me do, and I can't make you do. I, I can't make you pray the next 10 years. You can't make me pray. I can't make you study the Bible. You can't make me study the Bible. You can't make me share my faith. You you can't make me honor God with my resources. There's an aspect of the spiritual life where I have to decide I'm going to obey. It's my individual commitment that, God, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to do the things that I should be doing, that I find in your word, that, that your word teaches me about what it means to live out the spiritual life. So there's sort of the individualistic side which is a very real part of our spiritual life, and we can't ignore it and we can't negate it. You have to make some decisions in the next 10 years that only you can make, and nobody can make them for you. At the same time, there is um, the, what I'll call our collective spiritual life. In other words, how we grow in the spiritual life together. The idea that we need each other. I I can't make you pray, you can't make me pray, but we can pray together. I can pray for you and you can pray for me. We can agree on some things to pray for. That part of our spiritual life can be an us. It, It can be a collective spiritual life that we're walking together. I can't make you study the Bible. You can't make me study the Bible, but we can study the same thing together. And I could ask you, 
how your study of God's Word is going. I can encourage you. Sometimes we use the word hold each other accountable. I can say, hey, don't give up. Hang in there. That aspect is my individual decision, but it's helped when we do some things together. And the Bible teaches this. The Bible gives... Personal responsibility for your decisions. I have personal responsibility for my decisions. But at the same time, we have a responsibility to each other to encourage each other in our spiritual life. To to simplify it, as far as terminology, uh, let's say there's a me and there's a we to the spiritual life. Both of those are always true. There's a me... I have to decide. You can't make me do certain spiritual disciplines. You can't force me. There's a me, but there's also a we. In, in that we get to live out the spiritual life in community with each other, benefiting from the encouragement of each other. I, I would even say that the we of the spiritual life makes the me of the spiritual life better. The we, When I'm in community, when I... When I have other believers around me that I'm honest with and, and I open up to and I share life with and uh, the, I'm being encouraged by, that we, that us, that collective makes me better. Being in proximity to you in the spiritual life makes me sharper, makes me better. It, it helps me see the blind spots that I have in my spiritual life because I don't always see those. But you sometimes see them in me, and you're able to help me with that. You're able to encourage me with that. You're able to pray for me related to that. Now, I'm the pastor, so you would expect me to say something like this, uh, but I'm going to say it anyway <clears throat> because I believe it to be true. I've never seen someone grow closer to Jesus by rejecting the community of other believers in their life. I've never seen that happen. Maybe it's happened somewhere. I've never seen someone leave the community of a, a local group of believers, do Christianity, their faith on their own, and start looking more like Jesus. Now, what I have seen is I've seen people get out from community and become more opinionated. I've seen people become more convinced they're right and everybody else is wrong. I've seen people become a little more arrogant when they got out from under the we. And, And again, maybe it's happened somewhere. I've just never seen someone live a strictly me spiritual life. It's just me and God. I'm not going to be around other beliefs. I've never seen that person become more like Jesus because the design of God's work in the world, and you can look at the Old Testament and see how he formed a nation of people, 12 tribes, a nation of people, and then you come to the New Testament and he establishes the church, the big church, the, the world, every all-believer church, but also the local churches. He established them wherever Paul went. He's planting churches in cities, getting people together. This has been the pattern of the work of God from the beginning up until this point. It's going to continue to be his pattern throughout the rest of time is to gather a lot of me's 
and put them together in a we so that God can fully do his work in our lives, the me's and the we's. Paul's writing in Ephesians chapter 3, maybe a familiar passage to you. It's over in the New Testament, a little bitty book that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. And he writes uh, in verse 14, For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So, so Paul's saying, what I'm praying for, what I really, really want, what I'm really desiring is that you, each of you, individual, all the me's, I, I'm praying that you individually will be strengthened in your inner being, that there would be this growth in you, that you, you, you would know God more. I really want that to happen. And then he continues right after that, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love, may have power, and notice this phrase, together with all the Lord's holy people, or some translations say, together with all the saints, and that just means all the, all the people who follow Jesus, committed their life to Jesus. I pray that you, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. How are we filled to the measure of all the fullness of God? With, with all of God's people, is what Paul says. I'm praying things for you. I'm praying things for you individually. But if, if you're going to experience all that God wants, you're going to do it in a community of people sharing your life and encouraging one another. There's a we to what God is trying to accomplish in your life, in my life, and, and in our church. We're not just starting the next 10 years individually. We're starting the next 10 years collectively as God's church in this place. Something powerful happens when I attach my me to, to a we. When I attach my spiritual life, my spiritual direction, my gifts, a chapter or two later, Paul's going to talk about abilities and talents and gifts and spiritual giftedness. And his point's going to be, you're one part, you're your me, but your me is supposed to attach to a we so that the body, is another metaphor he used, the collective is made stronger. I can't tell you specifically, as much as I would like to tell you, I can't tell you specifically this is the we you're supposed to attach to. I would like for it to be. We, we would like to be the we that you attach to. We would like to be your place where you take your gifts and your background and, and, and your passions and, and, and your hopes and, and wherever you are spiritually and you attach it to this body, to this church. Maybe we are, maybe we aren't. There is some we for you. Your me needs a we, right? Your, your spiritual me needs a larger we that you can be a part of in order to reach the full measure of what God's trying to do in your life. It, it's not that 
God doesn't speak to us individually. He does. That's the wonderful ministry of the Holy Spirit, right? You can read the Bible right by yourself, and the Holy Spirit can help you understand what God's trying to say. But there's something about taking what God's been saying to me through His Word and what God's been saying to somebody else and somebody else and somebody else and putting all of that together. You've had this experience, I I, I bet most of you. You've been talking with someone about something that's happening in your spiritual life or something you read in the Bible, and you've been explaining that, and then that person said, well, you know what? I was just reading the other day, and then your understanding multiplies just because you encountered that other person. This, this is what we does for us. We makes me better. You make me better in Christ when I join my spiritual walk with your spiritual walk and your spiritual direction. And, and, and not only do we individually get better, But there's also the reality that we accomplish more than I can accomplish alone. So this is part of the wisdom of Jesus establishing His church, establishing a we all over the world in cities and countries and places all over the world. There are we's gathered today worshiping the Lord. Part of the wisdom of Jesus launching the church was so that we would accomplish collectively things that you and I can't accomplish individually. And, and as we're getting ready to start this next decade of us, of journey, of we, I, I want to talk about how you can be a part of the we, but, but I also want to talk about how God has been using the we. And, and maybe this starts to not really feel like a message. But, but as we're starting this next decade, I thought let's, let's rejoice in, let's, let's be glad in what God has already done among us so that we can be prepared for what He's going to do next with us. Zach mentioned it. Part of attaching to we is the community group list that you got this morning. Um, We are a big we and we have a lot of little we's because of community groups. We have groups of 10 and 15 and 20 that meet consistently during our group semesters so that you could join your life in, in, a, in a closer fashion than you can on Sunday morning, you can share your spiritual life more one-on-one with other people than you can on Sunday morning. But if you look at this sheet, you see front and back, no one me could do this. No one individual person. We couldn't offer all of this if we only had one person. We're able to offer this because... There are some me's in our church who have a passion to see women grow in their faith. And and there's some me's in our church that have passion to see families grow in their faith. And there are some me's in our church who have a passion to connect people in relationship with one another, connect men in relationship, see them grow. And we have someone in our church who has a passion for, for 
people discovering the financial freedom that God wants for their life. They've seen it happen in their life, and now they want to help other people discover the wisdom of following biblical principles in their finances. A lot of little me's decided, we're going we're gonna to give our gifts to the we so that more people can connect with each other and grow in their spiritual life. Now, you, this may be complicated. You won't benefit from this unless you actually join one of these groups. You won't. And you won't benefit from this if you join one of these groups and never go to that group. That's kind of how it works. You kind of have to show up. You have, you have to give we a chance. You have to give we a chance. And some of us have. Some of us have given we a chance in the sense of a, of a community group. And it's added to our spiritual life, and it's added to our personal life, and we've developed friendships. We want you to experience that too. Another way, and you got the volunteer, the volunteer handout. Um, Zach is so right. We we can't do this on Sunday mornings without people. We just can't. We can't pull this off. Zach's. The most talented person on our, on our staff, even Zach can't do this by himself. I can't do this by myself. We need you to be part of the we so that week after week we serve and worship and sing and give opportunities for people to come to know Christ. And, and I know that sometimes we look at this sheet and we wonder if it's really that important Is it really that important to stand at the door and greet people? Is it really that important to have coffee? Is it really that important? It is if this is your first time coming to a church and trying to figure out where to go in the warehouse. It's really important. Like if you drive up and you see just kind of this bare, blank warehouse and you don't know where to park and where to go in and how to get and where the rooms are. It's really important if you're that person, your first time, your second time, your third time here. It's really important to them. It's really important if you're the person who's had a really bad week, you've struggled all week, you almost didn't come on Sunday morning, but you decided to come anyway. It's really important that somebody greets you at the door and smiles and hugs your neck or shakes your hand. It's, it could be really important that somebody had coffee waiting for you when you got here. And lots of varieties of creamers, right? Because some of you are like me. You like a little bit of coffee with your creamer, right? That's the way I take mine. Maybe you've been here long enough that some of that doesn't seem important. It's really important If you don't know anybody else here, it's really important. And what happens in we is that everyone does something, and when combined, the the results are more than what any one person could do alone. Everybody does a part. Everybody does their part. And then the results are not just the sum of all of those parts. It's multiplied. Because we join together and God does something bigger than any of us could do alone. That's why we need me's as a part of we. Um, 
those of you who aren't members of our church yet, you could actually serve in most of these areas without being a member. If you're, if you're wanting to get connected, if you're wanting to meet some people before you decide if you're going to join, you could actually do most of what's on this list without actually being a member. You, you can just come be a part of the we, even, even if you aren't sure you want to be a member here yet. Because of what we do together, we're able to provide Vacation Bible School for about 100 kids every year. We send kids to children's camp. We have a huge disciple now for our teenagers every year. We send teenagers to youth camp. Uh, Wednesday nights, programming, week after week. We're able to teach students and children God's Word week after week after week because there are a lot of individual me's who make a commitment who sacrifice, who show up, so that we get the opportunity to minister. We, because we're a we and not just me's, we're able to minister to needs in our community. Oftentimes in ways that most of us don't know about. Because of the confidential nature of helping needy situations, it just wouldn't be appropriate for me to come up here on Sunday morning and say, hey, this week we helped so-and-so with their housing situation. This week we helped so-and-so keep the electricity on in their home. This week we provided food for this, just because of confidentiality, because many of those people are, are in our church or connected to our church or somebody in our church might know. It just wouldn't be appropriate. But throughout this whole year, all of 2019, we we helped a single mom get into get into housing we helped a young lady get back on her feet we provided meals we provided resources none of us could have done that alone i could not have done that by myself we did that together we launched a mentoring program at Aether Road Elementary. As a matter of fact, we were the first group of people they thought about calling because we responded every time they asked us to do something over the past two years. We said yes. When they wanted a, a breakfast to celebrate their teachers, we, we all said yes. We'll do that. We'll provide that. Uh, so, after two years of saying yes to everything that they ask, they wanted to start, the assistant principal, the counselor wanted to start a mentoring program. You know, the first group of people they thought about because they knew they could depend on us, we. They thought about we. They said, let's call Journey because we know we can depend on them. When, when they've had a family in crisis, they called us. They called us. Right before Thanksgiving, the counselor called and said, I have a single mom uh, in need. Could your church provide a Thanksgiving meal for them? So some of our community groups, some of our little wees all went together, led by Luis and Angela Valenzuela's group. They all went together, provided a home-cooked meal. Zach smoked the turkey. I mean, we did it right. We got a smoked turkey from Zach. People cooked side items. People who didn't have time to make anything donated. So we took a Thanksgiving meal and a gift card for groceries to a mom 
that Aetherode needed us to minister to. We kept doing things like it. We kept saying yes. And so now there's a bunch of us, there's a bunch of me's in our we who go regularly now and meet with at-risk kids at Aetherode. That's the sort of thing that happens when we respond, when we join together, when we say yes, we want God to do something bigger than anything any of us individually could do. We want to be a part of that. Our youth ministered at UH4C. They helped over there. We've provided meals to sports teams. We're going to provide a meal to the Logan High School band in a couple of months. We have just tried to say, as a group, none of us individually could meet all of these needs, but we want to be available to our community. I know that a lot of you weren't here when we moved into this building. Um, we were really young. We're really young now, but we were really, really young. We were like two, two and a half years old as a church. And those of us who were a part of it, we took a big risk and a huge step of faith. But we believed this was where God wanted us to be. This was the building we were supposed to be in. And from the beginning, before we ever got here, we said, we want this to be a place that ministers to our community and we didn't know what that looked like and we still don't know all the ways that that might take place but um, some of you were a part of this back in November December and, and I've told the story I was at a chamber of commerce luncheon and the guy who was over the empty stocking fund was expressing a little bit of frustration that it had come down to just a couple of people trying to pull it off last year and so I called Johnny up. I knew Johnny from, from the bank and some relationships with our church. And I said, hey, if you need people, we got people. And we would love to serve you to see that needy people get food at Christmas. And that conversation led to, well, the place that we normally house everything there's some drawbacks to that. The way we've been doing it, there's some drawbacks. And he had seen our warehouse. So that led to, well, we're just going to host the whole thing. And many of you, many of the me's that are sitting here, you delivered empty barrels. You picked up full barrels. You sorted cans of food. You put together cardboard boxes. You packed car car cardboard boxes. You loaded boxes of food into cars. Some of you made deliveries. And because of we, because of we, 374 families got food in December because of we. I, I couldn't take care of 374 families. We took care of 374 families back in December. And, and the empty stocking fund people, they could not stop thanking us. Not just for our help, but for our facility. Uh, because it was so much more convenient than where they had been before. Our, par our parking lot was perfect. The loading dock was perfect. Cars could just pull in. We could load the cars. They could take off. They loved it and could not stop thanking us. Having this building, those of you who took the risk and the step to move into this building, you're responsible for us being able to do that. I was on the phone Friday with a young pastor of a church plant, 
and see if this sounds familiar. They have to get out of their current building, and they're trying to figure out where they're going to go. We were there right, two and a half years ago. That was our story. We have to get out. We don't know where to go. We're shopping all around. We're looking. We're, we're praying God would answer. Young pastor, church plant, exact same situation, and, and they need a place to store their equipment for a transitional period. And I said, we have space. We have a place. You could come put all of your stuff in our warehouse. We will take care of you. You are welcome. What is ours is yours. We were able to take some of the food left over from Empty Stocking Fund and resource Michael Giddens at Four Winds Ministry. Megan Herndon was here uh, this past week, picked up a, a load of leftover food to take back to Shepherd Staff. Shepherd Staff is in transition. They're moving from their current building to a new, new building because of you, because of we. I've been able to say to Megan, Megan, if you need to store anything, if you need to transition, or if you need a staging place, we have a building and it's yours. Because we want to be connected and serving our community. And yes, our chairs still don't match. <laughs> they don't. Maybe one day they will. I really don't care. Right? I really, if I can say to our community, this is our building, mismatched chairs and all. Yes, it's a warehouse. Yes, we still have problems figuring out how to own a warehouse and how to maintain a warehouse. And, and there's quirky things that happen because we're in a warehouse. But we're here and we've said to our community, we're going to manage this with an open hand. Because we're not just here for us. We're here for this community as God wants to use us. Now, I also say that to say, this is just the beginning of how God's going to use we, us. I was at um, a um, county commissioner's meeting back, I think it was in December, and they were discussing some plans that I thought we would be interested in. And you've probably heard this, it's, it's been on social media, it's been posted right across the street from us other side of the fire station. Uh, they're clearing land now because I've driven by it about five times over the last two weeks. They're clearing land and they're putting in a park that the first part of it's going to be a splash pad, like one of the kid wet sort of sprinkler splashy thing, which will be great fun. We'll go over there. We'll, we'll have a great time playing in the splash pad. And uh, maybe after churches on Sunday in the summer, would families would just go over there. It would be fantastic. But they're also putting in a, a sports field, which for now is just going to be a big open field. The plan eventually is they're going to put an adaptive sports field for children who are handicapped, to have a place to participate in a sports team. If you've heard of Miracle League, we have some Miracle Leagues around the area. That sort of idea, families with disabled and handicapped children that can't participate normally in sports, they're going to be within a block of us for their kids to have fun and to be loved on and to have hope. What a great opportunity that's going to be for us. A great opportunity for us to step into something that's happening 
right outside of our front door so that we can serve the community where we live. Um, I've talked about how we use our building, and, and, and I know building and, and, and money are uncomfortable things to talk about. Uh, they, just, they just are, and it's a Sunday morning, and so it's extra uncomfortable. Um, but it costs money to get in this building. I don't know if we told you that. We kept that a secret, but we actually had to pay. We actually had to pay to be in this building. And um, last year, we made the step of becoming owners, not just renting and seeing that money disappear every month. Uh, last, last December, we, we got owner financing so that we start to buy and build equity in this building, and that freed us up to do some, some other things that we wanted to do. Uh, as you know, this past December, our Christmas offering, we wanted to pay off some loan that we haven't. Some of you weren't here when we took out that loan, so let me explain. When we originally moved into the building, we had almost enough money. We had almost enough money. We were concerned that we were going to get right to the end and run out of money, so we agreed as a church to borrow $150,000 to finish off the initial renovation. And so we did. That was 2017. As we're coming up to 2020, we realized we're going to owe about $81,000, and it's about $3,600 a month payment that we're making every single month. Wouldn't it be great if we could pay that down? We, we had already accelerated the payments on it, so we were ahead of the five-year schedule. But we thought if, if we could make a dent, this was my thinking, if we could make a dent, maybe if, if we got $50,000 then we would pay that down and it would save us $7,000 in this year because we'd pay the note off in October and then we wouldn't have any payments in 2021. If we could just make a really big chunk out of this loan, that would, that would free us up a little bit. And so we put it out to you. There was no hard pressure sale because we don't do that. But we said, this is if, if you want to give at the end of the year, if you want to give above your regular giving... We want to pay this loan down because we believe it's going to free us up to, to do some other things. Um, <clears throat> so Christmas comes. We, we're kind of shut down for Christmas. We come back in January. We get the, the final numbers back from the accountant uh, the first week or two of January. And when all was said and done, you had given $95,520 to this past year's Christmas offering. We, we did that. I've never had $95,000 in my life. I could not give $95,000 if I wanted to. Maybe you could. I couldn't. We, we could. So as of Tuesday, this past Tuesday, January 14th, we paid off the $150,000 five-year loan in two years and nine months as a church that's not even five years old yet. We, we did that. We did that. Um, there, is, there is power in the multiplied effectiveness of we. And we aren't perfect. Right? We, we don't have it all figured out yet. 
We just believe God is leading us and we want to be obedient. Now, you did the math. There's like $14,000 extra uh, in what was given compared to what we had to pay. We have a make-at-home fund. It's like an extra giving opportunity. Again, some of you weren't here, and 90% of you have forgotten what I'm about to tell you, but, but we went through all of this last year. When we closed on the building with owner financing, uh, he allowed us to put $100,000 down, uh, which was like 5%, um, which the bank would never have let us get away with. But because we could do owner financing, he let us put $100,000 down, and then he gave us an interest-free loan on another $149,000, which is down payment part B. That will be due May of 2021. So what we're going to do is we're going to take the $14,000 that was given over the Christmas offering and about $37,000 that's in that make-at-home fund, and we've set it aside for that down payment. Or we've set it aside to be able to move our loan to a bank because I would like to stop talking about this. I would like to stop worrying about this. I would like to stop losing sleep over the next thing that we have to pay. And so it would be great if we could, we could take that $51,000 or whatever it is, and that would allow us to get our loan moved permanently to a bank, and then we just have our monthly mortgage, and then we're going to be able to take that money and invest it in missions and ministry and, and supplementing our staff and, and needs that we have here in our church. The reality is, and I, I don't want to understate this, the reality is a five-year-old church shouldn't be in this situation. Like, we should not have the resources that God has allowed us to have. We should not be at the point that we are currently at. We are here because of God's goodness to us and because we believe that God is up to something. And I want to challenge you. I want to challenge all of the me's that are here. Be a part of this we. Be a part of it. Whether it's volunteering or being in a community group, using your gifts, whether it's mentoring with us at 8th Road. Listen, there are other schools that need somebody they can count on. We don't want to stop with one. We want to keep pouring into A through. There are other schools in Walton County that want to know that they could pick up the phone and call somebody like us and get yes on the other end of the line. We have more to do in our community. We have ministry opportunity coming across the street to us. But it's going to take we. It's going to take us. Joining our spiritual lives together to advance God's kingdom in this community and beyond. A couple of ways that, that I want us to, to join me's to the we in, in the next little while. We do, and we don't mention it on Sunday a lot because we figure people will find it on our Facebook page. Uh, we do a daily devotion Monday through Friday on the church Facebook page. 
And if you've struggled to get your Bible reading going, if you already have a plan, great. We're not trying to take you away from your plan. Some people like to read more than what we do. Some people like to read less than what we do. We do a chapter a day. I put some comments on there. And that's just one little way that each of us individually are reading and studying the same thing and and growing around the same idea. I want to invite any of you into that who haven't been participating. It's Welcome to Journey uh, uh, is our Facebook page, and it's on there Monday through Friday. And then secondly, as we begin this next decade, wondering what God might do with us over the next 10 years, I want us to pray together for the next month. I want us to focus our prayers over the next 31 days together. That's going to be on our Facebook page too. Every day, asking you to pray for something specific. You individually, you're me, praying for something specifically that we are all going to pray for together and see what God does. See how God moves. I believe in the providence and sovereignty of God. I believe in His love and in His affirmation of the church. And I believe in us. I believe that God has even more for us in these next ten years than we've seen in the past five. And I want to be part of that we. And I want you to be part of that we. Let's pray. God, thank you that when you call us into relationship with you, you call us individually, but you connect us collectively. You put us around other people and and some of them are similar to us and some of them are really different from us. And that's a part of what shapes us and, and teaches us to love and teaches us to care. I'm so grateful for almost five years of journey. It hasn't been perfect. There have been bumps in the road. We're still trying to figure some things out. But you've done so much in us. You're opening doors for us. And I pray that we would be faithful so that we would experience the full measure, everything that you want for us in the next 10 years, that you would be glorified through this place and these people. For I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.